Welcome back to One on One, New York's longest-running sports call-in show on 90.7 FM. We're joined by gold medalist, 1980 Olympic champion, and head coach of the Minnesota State University women's hockey team, John Harrington. John, thank you so much for taking the time with us. Yeah, this is great. I'm excited to be on and, and talk a little bit of a little, to a little hockey. I can never, hmm. I want to talk about 1980, so it's great to be on with you guys. Awesome. And so before we get into 1980 and some of the hockey stuff, we understand the next few days, you're part of a charity golf tournament for a miracle golf tournament with some of the other, other members of that 1980 team. Kind of just wondering, how did that all come together and what is the event all about? Well, uh, we just, uh, you know, I think uh, what kind of uh, got going was an idea that the, to, to build a monument, a monument of our like award celebration. I think everybody's seen that when our team is up on the victory stand and number one fingers up in the air and, and, and everything. And uh, an artist was commissioned to create a bronze statue. And I think it was something that we thought like raising funds for and to get out in front of the arena right there. So people can see that and not only remember what happened there, but uh, hopefully it'll inspire people and, 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 and maybe there's others that see that they go there and some, somehow that inspires them to be successful in whatever they choose to do. So, uh, what we're doing here is we decided to have a golf tournament, or I should say possibly more golf tournaments, but the first one here in, in, in Minnesota here to, to, to just get, get the word out there that they're raising money for this statue and, and, uh, and, uh, and having a chance to also get together with a lot of our players on our team. We're gonna have uh, 15 of our play, the 15 players there from our team, and they'll be playing with uh, different groups on the golf course and visiting and question and answer sessions and, and doing those things. And then uh, we'll also have a, a number of our staff people that were there and, and uh, also Dan Brooks, uh, will be uh, the son of Herb Brooks, our coach will be there and, and uh, Ryan Suter is going to be representing the Suter family. You know, of course his dad passed away in 2014, but uh, we're excited about a couple days of activities at Mystic Lake Casino in, in Prior Lake, Minnesota. And uh, we're going to have a great, great crowd out there and a, and a great uh, contingent of our team. So we're excited about it coming up here on Monday. John, uh, thank you again for coming on today. Uh, you know, you mentioned how many members of the team are, are going to be there for this tournament. Uh, have there been reunions like this for you guys in the past, whether like it's in public or, or just for yourselves? Because I'd imagine this is a bond that's going to last between all of you forever. Well, yeah, Dylan, I think, you know, we've, we've had some opportunities to try to get together the team. It's been very rare that we've had everybody be able to get to any particular thing, whether it's their schedules or whatever is going on. Um, uh, we've had, for the last, I believe, five years, we've had a fantasy camp in Lake Placid, but we don't get all our players there, but we probably get 10 or so, 10 to 10 to 12, that they come there and, and some play, some coach, some do both. And, uh, and it's, it's a really a fun time in Lake Placid. Uh, we had a, a 35th reunion in Lake Placid. Uh, uh, um, and then also we had a, a 40th reunion in Las Vegas this past year, uh, uh, a year ago in February. And so we've had some occasions to get together, but not a lot. And I think anytime these sorts of things come up, our team really gets excited about them because we do get a chance to see everybody, to see our teammates and that, that we don't get to see too often. And I mean, it's always fun when we get that because, you know, there's a couple questions about, hey, how are you doing? How's your family doing? How's the grandkids doing, you know, for a lot of us? Hmm. 
And, but then pretty quickly it goes right back to 1980 and everybody's taking the same barbs they took in 1980. Like everybody's heckling each other about the same stuff that went on in 80. And so we can, uh, we can uh, get back there and, and, and relive 1980 quite well. Staying on the topic of 1980, one of the things I find so fascinating is like the mental toughness you guys had to go through because obviously, you know, the upset of Soviet Union, it's special. Everyone knows that story, but that wasn't the end of the journey. You still had to go out there versus Finland and get that gold. So I was kind of just wondering what was the mentality like staying locked in, you know, those, the time leading up after the Soviet Union went into the gold medal match. How did you guys stay focused on the goal? Yeah, that's, uh, you know, that, that's right, Ryan. I mean, it's, it's a lot of people, whether they thought that was for the gold medal or they thought that was even a semifinal, but it wasn't a semifinal to get to the gold medal game. I mean, the way the Olympics worked at that time was there was two groups of teams, six teams in each group, and you played everybody in your group. And then the top two teams from each group advanced to the medal round. But you also brought in the points that you had earned against that other team. So when we went into the medal round to play the Soviet Union, we had one point and Sweden had one point out of our group because we had tied each other. So we each had one point. And Russia had two points and Finland had zero because Russia had beat Finland in the round robin. So going in, I mean, we weren't necessarily in first place, but, but we had to get points. So after, you know, after playing Russia, I mean, we all understood what the format was. Uh, I think Herb, Herb Brooks, I mean, certainly quite quickly after that game against the Russians, I think the next morning in practice, we probably had as tough a practice as we had all year. And he just was honest about not thinking that everything was done and that we got to refocus and that you've gotten it yourself to this position. And like he said, I mean, to take a couple words out, you'll take it to your grave. If, if, we do, if we're not successful in this game, you've gotten yourself to this position. And, you know, when he selected that team, obviously he selected it based on, I mean, certainly talent was one thing, but mental toughness was another. I mean, he, he had players he knew that could rise to the challenge that had risen to the challenge in their hockey careers in, in, in the college ranks. And uh, so he, he knew, he knew what drove us and uh, we knew where we were. We knew where we stood and what we had to do against Finland. And we, heck, we, we could have lost to Finland and end up third in the tournament if we would have lost that game. It wasn't like we would finish second if, if we lost to them because of Russia and they did beat Sweden, they would have finished ahead of us too. So, uh, um, but we knew what was, uh, and we, we knew what was at stake. And uh, Herb certainly reminded us right through that game how, how important it was that we were be ready to play. Well, John, we appreciate you taking some of the words uh, out of uh, Herb Brooks's mouth and, and paraphrasing, considering this is a public radio station that we're going to be on. So that was kind of you to do. Um, but staying on the topic of, of like staying cool in those moments, in, in the Soviet game, I'd imagine that was the most intense moment uh, probably of your life. And, and you had one of the go, you had the go ahead assist in that, in that final goal, if I'm not mistaken. So through the final minutes of those game, what's going through your head? What's it like on the bench? How are you keeping cool? Yeah, I think, uh, uh, you know, the, the, the big thing was is that, that, that we tried to stay as focused as we could as what we were doing. I think if you, you know, watch any of the live tapes or even if you watch, you know, the movie Miracle where Kirk Russell's playing Herb Brooks and, you know, for how much Herb in those last minutes was just play your game, play your game. Like, 
Don't try to change things. Don't do different. We just need to play the way we've always played here and trust ourselves that we can be successful. Uh, I know when, uh, when Mike Arruzzioni scored the, the, the lead goal there, uh, and, and, and to go ahead four to three, there was 10 minutes left in the game. The clock was at 10 minutes. And uh, I think everybody on our team will say that was the longest 10 minutes they've ever played. And I, I remember like looking at the clock going tick, clock, tick. I mean, it was like it was not moving and finally got to the point where I'm going to watch the game and not watch the clock. I'm just going to keep playing here and, and focus on what we're trying to do as a team and play together and, and play the way uh, that we knew we could play that had gotten us to that situation. So, and I, I think most players would say that, that it was, that it was, it was energy. Like we understood it. The crowd was letting us know where we were at and what was at stake. So it was, it was a lot of focus, but it was a lot of excitement as well. Right. And so once you're able, once you do beat Finland and you get the gold medal, you're playing in Lake Placid and stuff like that, you're seen as kind of a hero in the United States, what was it like those kind of days, weeks afterwards, soaking it all in, you know, you're getting, you're getting remembered, you're getting honored. How did that kind of experience play out? Yeah, it was, it was crazy. I mean, I, I think um, I've always said that, that after, and I think everybody would say this too, when you're there in Lake Placid and we were so busy like practicing and watching other games and trying to get to a couple other events that we could playing our own games, uh, having meetings. I mean, you really didn't have an understanding of what impact we were having on the rest of the United States. And uh, um, so we were going about our business there. I think uh, the, the, the first thing for me, I remember getting home, uh, we went to the White House the day after the Olympics, and then we flew home. And I, I can't remember exactly what time my plane landed in this airport in, a, in, a, in another town by my hometown in Hibbing, Minnesota. But there was 500 people there in the airport with signs and posters and everything. I'm like, wow. I mean, it's the middle of the night and these people are here because it meant a lot to them that one of their own from up on Northern Minnesota had won the gold medal here. And all of a sudden, I mean, we were just invited everywhere as a group to, to be celebrated and to talk and to have, you know, sign autographs and do commercials. And it was like, wow, it was like, this really meant a lot to a lot of people. This really inspired people. This really made people feel better about the United States. I mean, it was a tough time at that time. I mean, it was a cold war going on with the Soviet Union. It was, uh, there was, a, you know, the gas shortages and, and everything else. It was a tough time in the United States. And I mean, to find out how excited we made people and positive and it's like, hey, you know, if you work hard at something, if we all do this together, we can be successful at something. I think that meant a lot to a lot of people. And it was, it was like, I'll just say it was really humbling to have people say that to you and feel that way and about something that we had accomplished on the hockey rink. It's certainly an inspiring feeling, worthy of a Disney movie, I would say. And you mentioned, uh, you mentioned Miracle earlier, obviously uh, Kurt Russell played Herb Brooks. You were played by an actor named uh, Nate Miller. Uh, we were curious if, you know, did you have any kind of relationship with, with Miller and playing you? Did you get any input? Uh, did you know what the film was going to be like before it came out? And then, of course, what was it like watching yourself on the big screen? It must have been cool, but I'd imagine also rather strange. Well, I mean, I, I, think, um, I think a couple of things. One, I'll say this about Nate Miller. Uh, I, I, at the time the movie was being made, I was coaching at St. John's University, a Division three school in Collegeville, Minnesota. And uh, um, 
I had actually, I, I got a phone call one day and it's like, yeah, hello. And it's like, hey coach, yeah, this is Nate Miller. And I'm like, hey Nate, how's it going? Uh, I had recruited Nate to come to St. John's University when he was in high school in Minnesota. And he, he, he ended up going to play junior hockey for a couple of years. And then he ended up going to the University of Minnesota and ended up being a captain at the University of Minnesota for the Golden Gophers. And uh, he said, hey, I want to know, I tried out for this movie and I'm playing you in the movie. And we talked a little bit, laughed a little bit. And he said, you know, could I, could I call you at, at times and talk about things? And as, as this filming's going on and, you know, and, 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 and have a discussion about what you did and what you said and how you acted. I said, yeah, Nate, that, I said, certainly, you know, and um, uh, I know one time he called me and I, I always love this about the movie, he called me and asked me about like, who did you listen music and stuff, you know, and we were talking about that. And I said, well, I, you know, I was a big Bob Dylan fan because I was from the Northern Minnesota there. And Bob Dylan was from Hibbing, Minnesota, a little town, not too far from my hometown. So I was a big Bob Dylan fan. And, there was a part in the movie where uh, Herb had my, me and my two line mates, the Coneheads, Mark Pavlich and, and Bud Schneider and myself, in, in to talk to us about that about something. And and uh, Nate had a Bob Dylan T-shirt on. And I remember uh, I remember when we went to the um, to the uh, premiere in Hollywood, and I asked him about that, and he goes, "No, I wore that because you said you were a Bob Dylan fan." So I got a Bob Dylan T-shirt and wore that. But uh, so. He kept in touch, and, and I will say uh, one of the, uh, this is the highlights of probably my St. John's teaching career. All the coaches at St. John's had to teach a one credit theory of their sport. So a theory of hockey, I had to coach theory of hockey. And when that movie came out and came to St. Cloud, Minnesota, I told my team, listen, I'm getting, I told my class, I'm, I'm getting a group rate for all these tickets. I'll buy them, we're gonna go watch the movie. And then the guy that played me, I had talked to Nate, and he agreed to come up the next day to our class and he and I could talk about the movie and then what happened actually, if it wasn't exactly true. And I'll tell you, we could have, we could have stayed there all day. Our, our, the kids in my class loved it and Nate was tremendous. And I run into Nate, you know, he's still doing hockey things up here. And I see him actually he's coaching with my son in uh, yeah, youth hockey. They're coaching their little guys up in the Twin Cities suburb in Minneapolis, St. Paul up there. So I get to see him on occasion and we have a few laughs about it, but uh, I'll, I'll say but for him playing there. My, my one good line about that movie is uh, Kurt Russell. Uh, uh, I always say Kurt Russell had a better appreciation for my talent than Herb Brooks did because there was a part in the movie where Nate was actually on the power play. And I said, well, that never happened in 1980, but Kirk saw my ability and he had me on the power play in the movie. So that's kind of my one liner of, about the movie and how it went. John Harrington, uh, 1980 Olympic champion, who we're joined by now. You just mentioned in the movie Herb Brooks, and I think something that was so great about the movie, you really emphasized the way the team played for him. What was it like for your experience that year, all the other times? What was it like playing underneath Herb Brooks? Playing for him? Yeah, playing for him. Yeah, well, I mean, he, he was – it was a challenge. I mean, he was a, he was a coach that really drove his players, and I think he – I mean, it was kind of more negative reinforcement with Herb. Like he he could dress you down pretty good, but he knew he had players. He knew how far he could take players before they said, you know what, I don't want to do this anymore. And he didn't have that kind of players. He knew he had players that would say, oh yeah, well, I'll show you how I can play. So, I mean, it was, it was tough. And I don't think when you talk to 
almost all of the players on our team, I don't think anybody ever felt comfortable that they were okay, that they were going to make the team. You know, he had to cut a few players to get to Lake Placid. We had a 26 uh, uh, member team when it got selected in the, in the summer of 1979, but then it had to be cut to 20 players when we went to Lake Placid right before we went there. So uh, he was, uh, you know, you always felt like you were playing with this, with this hatchet over your head, like, you know, geez, if I don't play great in this particular game, I'm not going to make this team. But, but uh, he, he was tough to play for. But uh, I, I will say that uh, after, after the Olympics ended and I got going in a coaching career that he, uh, uh, he became a, a, like a, a mentor to me as far as my coaching was, uh, was, was concerned. Like I could call him and ask him about things and discuss hockey with him. And I never felt like I was that player that I was in 1980. I felt like I was, you know, like he was somebody here that he wanted to do well as a coach now. And I always appreciated that about him and, and how much help he gave me when I started my coaching career. Uh, John was about to ask you about your coaching career, actually. You're currently at uh, Minnesota State coaching the women's team there, correct? Um, I, we were curious about the transition from becoming a player to becoming a coach. What is the, what is the difference in mentality? What's it like, you know, having that kind of different relationship with the players that you would have with a guy like Herb Brooks? Just what was that like? Well, I think, uh, first of all, I mean, I, some, uh, coaching is something I always wanted to do. I mean, I think when I was you know, in high school and getting into college, I mean, that was my idea that I would be a high school coach, that I would coach or teach high school and, and coach in high school and teach players the game. And I, I was really fortunate uh, as a player that I got to play, you know, for a very good high school coach, a very good college coach. I've coached with Herb Brooks. I, I played on the on the national team with Bob Johnson, one of, from University of Wisconsin, one of the all-time great coaches in college hockey, and Stanley Cup winner too, uh, when he when he moved on to pro pro hockey. I also played on the 1984 Olympic team, so I played for Lou Vero uh, on the 1984 Olympic team. So I had a lot of coaches that I had played under, and had a lot of different ideas. Saw a lot of different ways players could be coached, and a lot of different ways that of things that could be coached as far as systems of play and, and, and skill work. So I, I felt really fortunate that I, that, that I had had kind of a lifetime of a, a lot of different coaches and not had just played for one coach and was trying to take my coaching theory from that one person. Um, having said that, I think I would say that most coaches, when you get started, kind of coach like the player, like the coach you had the most success under, and that was Herb. So I was, I was kind of hard on my players. I think when I first got my first head coaching job at St. John's university, I was, I was really hard on my players and I was tough on them. Like Herb was on us. Um, you know what? I say this, that I, I think when my son got to be a peewee age and Benham age in hockey, that uh, he would come home and be down in the dumps about things. And you'd talk to him a little bit, a little bit about it. And, I don't know if he'd always tell this to me, but he'd tell it to his mom. And then she'd tell me that, yeah, he got, you know, hollered at in practice today and stuff like that. And, and that, that he was just feeling kind of down about that because the coach was hard on him. And I, I think I kind of figured out then that e even my players at St. John's have moms and they care about how their, how their sons are being treated. And I, I, I like to think, I, it might not have always happened, but I like to think that I changed a little bit and tried to be more positive and, and, and more 
enthusiastic about what I try to teach and find the positive things and, and, and not be so, uh, um, uh, you know, like, like critical of what, when things aren't going well. So I, I, I like to think that I made a, a change at that time when I, when my son got to that age and I saw how he was being treated and, and, and uh, I think it's, you find out that, that those ways can be as successful or more successful if you coach that way. So uh, like I say, I was, I was lucky to have coached for a lot of different coaches and I had been able to kind of been at a lot of different levels. Like I coached high school was my first job for a couple of years. I was at Division One as an assistant coach, Division One men. I coached at Division Three at St. John's for 15 years. I coached in Europe for three years, coached professionally over there. And here I am, I'm, now I'm coaching women in my, in, in my coaching career. And, and uh, you know, when people ask, you know, what, why did you want to coach women after this other, you know, all this other coaching that you've done? And, you know, actually it was kind of like, because I haven't. That's why, I mean, I've coached a lot of other different levels of hockey and now it's an experience for me. I, I, I hope as much it is for the players that are playing for me that, that they're having, that it's an experience for me of learning how to coach young women. And uh, it's, uh, it's been, I don't want to say interesting in a way that that doesn't sound good. I want to say it's just been interesting and it's been a learning experience for me as much as it has been for them. John, thank you so much for taking the time. Just one last question. So the Summer Olympics are coming up, obviously different. But just wondering if you would any message to some of the teams or Olympians who maybe they're coming in, they're underdogs, they're not seem like they're going to do much. Do you have any message or something you would say to them that could kind of get them going? Well, I, I, I think the, the best thing you can do is, I mean, certainly you've got to enjoy the, enjoy the moment. You've got to understand where you are, what you've accomplished. It's accomplishment to get where you are. And it's like, like I've always said, I mean, you just got to do the best you can with what you have to the best of your ability. I mean, that, that's all you can do. And that's the way you can think and not look at it. I am, I going to be a success or a failure. You want to try to be the best you can be. Uh, if you're on a team sport, I know from experience in 1980 that we had tremendous individual talent, but, but when we played together, when our team played together, we were somehow better together than we were with the individual parts. We somehow, I mean, if you were to select me or a Russian player, you'd go, I'll take that Russian guy in the same way. But when our team went together, we somehow got better than that other group. And I would say that to the team, to the team sports is that you need to play for each other and you, and you need to count on each other that they're going to play the best they can for you because that's what's successful in team sports is playing as a team. Great. Uh, so thank you so much. That's all we have for you. We really appreciate you spending the time with us. Stick around, guys. We'll be right back with more one-on-one on 90.7 on FM.